This program is brought to you by Stanford on iTunes U at Stanford University. Please visit us at itunes.stanford.edu. Please welcome back Nadja and Anne-Marie. So I'll start off with a couple of questions and then we have a small enough group. I think we'll just take questions from the audience. Um, I'd like to start start off with just a, a question about the Debussy. It's just such an incredible piece. I mean, I, that's one of the my favorite pieces, and I know it's so difficult to play, um, primarily because of the, the the fact that there's so much tempo, there's so much fluidity within the tempo and within the colors and within the interpretation. And my question is, how how do you approach a piece like that that has has so much range within the performances? I mean, I've heard so many different performances of it. I've performed it myself several times, and it's just it's a I'm a violinist, and it's um, it's so exciting, and it's yet so so challenging to to work uh, on a piece with so many directions that you could go? Well, it helps to eat escargot before you play. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um... <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a great piece for, for, for us because we um, are equally psychotic. Yeah. No. We are, it's, uh, as you said, it, does, it has a huge, broad range of... Um, Emotions and for me, especially colors, and I, I, I just love to, to use all the colors that my instrument can uh, can provide. And and French music, we also play a sonata by Poulenc, which is even more uh, nutsy. You know, for us, it's a, this is a piece I learned when I was very young, and I didn't understand it at all. I was very fortunate to pre to study it in France with a great French violinist named Christian Ferras, and he. Uh, said all kinds of things for me to do that I really didn't understand at the time. I, I think I was about 15. Um, later I played the piece and understood them better, but uh, I, I didn't play it for a very long time, and then I got together with Annie and we rehearsed it, and as almost everything that we do together, it's a, um, we pretty much know the pieces that we, that we play, but we may not have played them together yet, and it's just really almost a run-through, because we're just always so simpatico about our approach to to making music, but I really enjoy playing this with her because of all that, the broad range of what we can do. It's also, you know, amazingly, when you're playing the piece, don't you think, I mean, it and when you spend time with it, it actually all really makes so much sense, and it's, it's, a, it's such an enjoyable piece to perform. It's very hard, but it's very enjoyable just because it's, there's so many twists and turns, and, and it's, it's great playing it publicly for an audience and sort of say, ooh, here it's going here, wow, it's going there. It's, but you no, know. Nobody ever seems to know when it's over. They don't. Like, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because there's such so many twists and turns uh, emotionally, as you point out, um, that it's happy one moment and so interior in the next. Um, what, uh, what violin do you play on? It's got such beautiful I colors. play a uh, wooden violin. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's great. Well, not everybody does anymore. It's a, it's a used violin. I'm saving up for a new one. I'm so sorry. It's brown. It is brown. Uh, it's uh, Peter Gornarius. It was made in 1721. Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Questions? Okay. Question right up front. Here. How much time did you spend practicing before this concert? Right before it. How much time did you spend practicing right before the concert? You know, we're both, uh, Nadja and I, of like mind that before a concert, we've, we're, we're prepared, we know what we want to do. It's all, what's most important is what's up here. 
And so before a concert, we actually don't rehearse very much. The day of a concert, we mostly we sleep, we eat, <laughs> take a shower. Eat escargot. Eat escargot a little bit, a little champagne. No, I'm kidding. Um, but you know, there's a lot. It always, I, I've always loved the, the process of performing in that you work very, very hard, practice a lot of hours in, in advance, very hard. And then once you understand and absorb this piece of music, you let it go, then you're actually very free, and then, and, and you, don't, then you just have to uh, project that out. So over a lifetime, I wonder how many hours we've both practiced. I think we should tell him that we practice a lot. Okay. I think that's and when you were his age. When you were his age. For him, and think. practicing is the most fun thing you could ever oh, do. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> Any other questions? Well, when, you, when did you start practicing for all the young youngsters in the audience? I started uh, practicing violin when I was five. How old were you? Uh, five. Five. All yeah. oh, right. How old are you? Five. How old are you? And is that your violin right there? Yes. Wow. See, he's got a head start. Oh, he's a violin. Oh, look. <laughs> Can I see it? It's so cute. Look at the little case. Oh, look. Uh-huh. Do you have rosin in here? Okay, good. You got the whole package. <laughs> Any other young musicians out there? All right. Oh, hey, how about some questions? <laughs> How about some musicians that are young at heart? Uh, the question is what, why I started my record label. Um, it's going um, very well. It's, it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of time, uh, pretty much all the free time that I have. Um, but I started it because of an issue of control, really. It was um, about me controlling not only what I recorded, but what's done with that afterwards. I mean, uh, you kind of sign your life away when you sign those contracts with the major labels. And you know, I, I mean, I don't think there's anybody in this room that's not aware of the fact that the recording industry is, who knows what's going on. I mean, and especially in, in classical music. So um, I, that was the basic reason was that I wanted to have control over what I was doing and also what I would leave behind on this earth. Because you know, I, I, you get to a certain age where that for some reason is important to me now. Uh, and and I um, so I, I also was very influenced by a younger generation of people that were doing it. They just made their own little albums and sold them on you know the, the web. And I thought, my God, you're collecting residual checks, and I haven't got any. What's going on here? So I, 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 I hello. Um, it it was it was a matter of recognizing that it was possible for me and also uh, just having the courage to go ahead and try it. And then I did, and it, um, it's, it's working beautifully. It really is. I think we have some out there in front. Please feel free to buy some. <laughs> well, we started working together. I, I had known who Annie, Annie was, Anne-Marie, sorry. Was. Obviously, I knew who Nadja was since I was a born. Long time. But um, <laughs> we start working together about 10? It's about 10 years ten ago. 10 years ago. Yeah. Even though we knew who we were in the, um, in the industry, of course, but, I, but we started to play together actively 10 years ago. And it was very clear in the very first rehearsal that this was something that we, you know, this was it. Um, we had actually done something together when we were both very young. 
right at the um, you were playing a concerto at the Kennedy Center, Kennedy Center and yeah. there was a pre-concert and I don't know how we got hooked up but we did a Beethoven the D major Beethoven sonata then mm -hmm. and we actually have some photos back then and then then we sort of lost touch and then when we the first concert we played together again was in Aspen and it was just um, an instant um, thrill in every way. I mean, it's just such a wonderful thing working with a colleague where you just don't even, you don't have to verbalize anything. We play through a piece and there we communicate and, it's, and we never get up and play something the same twice. I mean, it's a real alive, dynamic conversation. We obviously have in mind what our, our architecture is, and, but we're constantly surprising each other and, and well, I mean, obviously working with Nadja is, is um, you know, such a joy and, no, honestly. and honestly. And a challenge, a challenge. We've done, we actually, we've done a lot of repertoire together, but we have a, you know, whole, last season we were touring with the, um, all three of the Brahms. Yeah. Which we, which we recorded and I will be releasing that. It's going to be a live and, recording. And there's a, a, another recording that we have, a live recording from uh, Lincoln Center of a program that we did three years ago. Uh, Schubert Rondo, Beethoven Sonata. Poulenc Sonata. Poulenc Sonata, yeah, right. Yeah. So we have actually quite a large repertoire, but this is the first time that we played any of these, this is the first time yeah. we're playing any of these pieces that, yeah. that we played here today. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the question is if I have a favorite composer and a favorite work. I, if I had to pick one composer, it would be Bach. Same here. Um, favorite work. Not the Chaconne? No. It's too much. It's just too much. The repertoire is too big. There's a, it would be impossible. To pick. Do you have a favorite work? You I know, I really, I would just have to say Bach, just because, you know, a, 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 uh, there's something so magical. And, but as far as a specific work, I mean, I always think it's the works that I'm, you know, at, at you get to a point in your life, and I only like to play repertoire that I'm really in love with. So it changes. Recently, I've been playing the Goldberg Variations a lot, so I'm in love with that piece of music at the moment. That's my favorite, but it really does change. Or this afternoon, I was in love with the Bach Sonata. We did. <laughs> All right. So, but yeah, I mean, it sort of changes. There's so much incredible repertoire out there that it really is hard yeah. to narrow it down. Especially for these two instruments. Yeah. 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 Back there. Yeah. The question is about the accident I had with my uh, pinky that I, I cut the tip of this pinky off. Um, was I afraid that I would not play again? I was sure I would not play again. It was a very bad day. It was Christmas Day. Um, it was a, um, a very trying time, it, 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 and what I learned from it was, at the time when that accident happened, I was very, very, very overworked and very tired and starting to feel the burden of the career, and I thought it was a sign from God that I should stop. I mean, it was clearly, I was looking at the tip of my finger on the cutting board with a lot of onions, and I thought, well, this is a sign. <laughs> <laughs> It was, uh, you know, it was a, of course a horrible moment and a horrible day and a horrible time, but y what I learned once, you know, a couple of weeks went by, what I learned was that I loved, I loved playing very much and I missed it. So the accident, as serious as it was, and because I was so fortunate to have an amazing surgeon to reattach it, turned out to be a godsend for me to, to keep me, uh, I wouldn't be playing today if not for the fact that I cut my finger off. It sounds kind of strange, but... But you know what's also remarkable is what you did after that, right? Because it took a long time to recuperate. Yeah, it took a long and time. And Nodge was like totally refingered. Yeah, I mean, intricate, incredible violin concerto, right? You weren't... I was, playing with, weren't I was playing with three fingers oh. because this one was just not... Um, and uh, truthfully, I had to walk on stage and play because I had to pay the bills. 
I mean, that, I wasn't ready to go on stage yet. I was certainly not healed, but I, I, somebody has to pay the bill. So I walked on stage. I'll do it with three fingers. What the hell? Just three fingers. It's like, fine. Good deal. Unbelievable. I have a plan for um, a, an adult educational, that sounds awful, but it, it's going to be, it's, um, <laughs> it's going to be very funny. I have a plan to make another, another uh, movie or DVD, I mean, to answer your question. And I'm glad you like it, and I'm glad it brought you into classical music. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I saw a, yes, here. What keeps you motivated, especially if the audience is always asking? Oh, that's a good question. You know, the audience doesn't ask for anything when we play recitals. We that's, choose. That's up to us. But when, I, when we play concertos, um, that is also oftentimes led by the community and what kind of music they like to listen to and also who's played a concerto recently, this and that. So sometimes you don't really have your say as far as the concertos that you play with orchestras. Um, what keeps me motivated is to play pieces that I that I like and even though there are wonderful concertos that people like to listen to I don't love playing uh, some of them after so many years of doing it and so I try to take a break from concertos for a while certain concertos and and play different repertoire new repertoire or like this this repertoire today the Frank Sonata I hadn't played for 20 years and I had overplayed it when I was younger as all violinists did um, and I never wanted to hear it again it's like that song. You remember that song, You Light Up My Life? I mean, do you ever want to hear that song again? So, question. Remember that song? Oh. Sing it for us. So, no, but when I brought it back, then the, it's so fresh and wonderful to play it now. So I, I keep things fresh in that sense. And also for me, personally, I, regardless of what happens behind that black curtain, seriously, without being dramatic, there, there's, it's a whole different world back there. When you walk on and you feel the breeze of the hall when you come out and there's a live audience that is um, luckily for me that is what, what keeps me doing what I'm I doing. I have to say also you know it's, it's also and I, not to sound uh, tacky or corny about it but it also what keeps me I do a lot of chamber music in my career what keeps me is I would never want to stop working with Nadja I mean so that you know what I mean that's a very no honestly it's the colleagues it's the I, I mean the, the musical this surprised me when I was young first entering the business I had no idea the amount of support and love that exists between musicians. And when you work together, there's something about making music together, a level of communication that's very profound. And um, I, I, I would miss that terribly if I didn't have that in my life. Why did you choose this particular program? Because we liked it. It's beautiful. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. But if you, you're coming to it, well, you know, one of, one of the things was that we had played uh, for a while the uh, last move of the Bach Sonata as an encore the very fast movement there at the end. And it was about time we played the rest of the sonata. It's an incredible piece um, of music. So that was one thing. We both separately just had this feeling that, wow, we really wanted to do Debussy sonata, and I'm so thrilled that we are doing it, because it's, it's just so natural for us. And Franck, I, I was similar with Naj. I had done the Franck a lot um, in, the, in the past, and then I haven't also done it in a while. Mm -hmm. And it's one of these pieces, it's almost like Greek piano concerto, where for a while I was playing it a lot, and then, and then I wasn't, and then I came back to it a couple years ago, and it was like, wow, all of a sudden I loved it again. So it's... Um, Plus, this, they're very, they, they couldn't be more different, the three pieces. I like, I mean, we, last, last year, and for about a year and a half, we toured with an all Brahms program, which was a phenomenal experience. But 
So now you're playing three sonatas by the same composer. And, and I just wanted to get away from that also and just do something completely different from one genre to the next. You know. Here. Yeah. The question is that the, um, the pieces are, she's saying that the pieces are exhausting and emotional and how, you and how do we keep ourselves engaged? Well, there is the escargot for the... And I'm actually married. I'm not engaged anymore. <laughs> so, uh, it's, uh, it's like what we said before. It's a, it's a commitment to the music and a love of the piece that you're playing. It's also when you walk on stage, the responsibility of the live audience in front of you is... Um, it's like a drug. And regardless of what happens there when you walk on stage, if you, you might have had a fight or you may be sick or you may be tired, you might not have had enough sleep or... There, there a variety of things. When you walk on stage, the, the, the presence and the energy of a live audience uh, works wonders. It, it, at least still so far, mm -hmm. knock on wood. Okay. I think we have time for one more question. Or maybe two. Okay, here. This is a really good question, actually. Uh, the, the question was that we, since we went, uh, haven't played the Frank Sonata for 20 years, how has time and uh, how, how has it changed? And see, the, the Frank Sonata was the first sonata I ever learned. I, was, I thought, oh, this is the most beautiful piece I've ever heard, and it was just so cool, and it had so many cool moments, like 100 cool moments. And this, you know, when you're a kid, this was, I have to play that, I want to play that. And I, I, play, I, I was like 12 or 13 when I learned it. And I played the crap out. In the sense that every single measure was just, you know, was, I was like one of those, you know, electrical wires that have been severed and they're like this on the ground, you know, you can't control them. And it, I was just feeling that way about the piece. And coming back to it now, it's, it's a very passionate piece and it's very sensual. And the difference for me is that I control everything now, which is very cool. Uh, because it actually is more satisfying to play it if you just hold back a little bit. Yeah, and there's something wonderful. I, I mean, I love this about being um, being a musician as years go by. And there's something exactly like Nash just said of just this little bit of separation, this cushion of separation between you and what you're doing, and having more control over what you're doing. And you can't separate what you've gone through in your life from what you do when you get up and play music. And obviously, you you know, you accumulate more and more experience, good and bad, and that comes out in the music. So you have so much more to draw from, emotionally. And um, it just makes it so much more, more satisfying. One more question, yes. Do you like listening to your own record? <laughs> That's a good <laughs> question. <laughs> no. <laughs> I like listening to some of my records. Yeah. yeah, I like the way I play. That's why I play that way. <laughs> I mean, I just like to play. <laughs> well. Thank you very much for joining Thank us. You. It's been Thanks wonderful. Everybody. The preceding program was brought to you by Stanford on iTunes U and is copyrighted by the Board of Trustees of the Leland Stanford Junior University. Please visit us at itunes.stanford.edu.